Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Marsha Church is a speech-language pathologist in Dallas, Texas, who owns a pediatric speech and language practice that also offers IEP consultations and parent coaching. She is a former school SLP who has lived all over and decided to start a private practice in order to have more control over her professional, personal, and financial life. For example, she wants to be there when her son gets home from school, and she's built her private practice with boundaries in place to allow her to do that. I've gotten to know Marcia in the Grow Your Private Practice program, where she is focused on growing a practice that allows her to attract her ideal clients. In this episode, she talks about getting clients from Instagram and Google reviews, how she's expanded her private practice income with parent and SLP coaching services, and how participating in the Grow program has allowed her to add more growth tools to her toolbox and earn the income that she desires through her practice with a schedule that works for her family. If you've been thinking about starting or growing your private practice and you want to be sure that you can work with ideal clients and leave plenty of space for your family and self-care, this is a must-listen episode, so stay tuned. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech-language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice system. And I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life and finally get the freedom, flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place, so let's get started. Can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? My name is Marsha Church. I am located in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and the name of my practice is Pediatric Speech Stars. So I am so excited to do this episode because we have gotten to know each other quite a bit through your being in the Grow Your Private Practice program, and I'm so excited to hear like how you started and how you've grown. But before we talk about your practice, can you go back to your early career, and then at what point did you start thinking about private practice? Okay, so my career path is an eventful one. I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio, so I went to Kent State University for undergrad and graduate school. 
I did a combined program. So I was able to whiz through there in four and a half years, even though a counselor one time told me I couldn't. So don't let people tell you what you can and can't do. So I graduated at the ripe age of 22 years old, and I was ready to spread my wings and fly to somewhere other than Ohio. And I went to Scottsdale, Arizona for a year and a half. And I worked in a K through eight elementary school. I had a caseload of over 70 kids. I remember walking in my first day at my CS and I had 20 documents out of compliance. So that was a way to start your CS. And then after that, it was a nationwide company that would basically move me anywhere I wanted to move. And I wanted to take full advantage of that in my early 20s. And I'm so glad I did. I'll be forever grateful for that opportunity. So then I went to LAUSD and I did two summer camps. And then I moved to San Diego and I did a preschool assessment team and I worked PRN at a home health agency, which was great. And that really got me into home health and kind of liking it. And so after San Diego, my girlfriend texted me and was like, hey, you want to be my roommate in Texas? And I was like, I've never been to Texas, but let me see if I can get a job there. And of course, the contract company was like, absolutely. We have lots of jobs in Dallas, Texas. We will relocate you immediately. So here I came and I slept on her boyfriend's couch for two weeks and all my therapy boxes were in that room. And I came to Dallas. (laughs) And so I worked in the school districts there. I started with, again, a campus SLP. I had over 70 kids, four campuses. That next year, I had an evaluation-only job. So I actually evaluated over 200 kids that year and wrote 200 evaluation reports and got a PRN job at a home health agency. So I was just nonstop. And then the third year in the schools, I did half evaluation and half mentoring. So I became a CF mentor and I loved it. I loved supporting these therapists that were thrown into these schools that I wouldn't say was butterflies. They definitely needed additional support and somebody to show them that they had the skill set to complete the CF in the schools. And so then after that, I was offered a full-time management position at that home health company that I was working for. And they said, we will give you a full caseload, but can you also manage the field SLPs? And I said, that sounds like a great gig. Let me sign up. And it was because I was able to see my own caseload, but then I was also able to learn the management component of that. So I was reviewing their timesheets, troubleshooting. I was also like arranging mixers to get together because it's a really isolating position to be in home health. And so I extroverted. So I really like that socialization of therapists. So I would do all these like fun events for them. And I really enjoyed supporting them through their journey. At that point, I then got married and I had my first baby the year after that. So we got married and then I got pregnant. So I was able to take some maternity leave and came back. But I knew that I did not want to return full time. So I came back as a PRN manager. My husband at the time was an NFL player and he was playing for the Dallas Cowboys. At that time, we knew that he was going to be a free agent in March. So we waited and we got picked up by the Jacksonville Jaguars. And so we packed our stuff and I quit that job and said goodbye and thank you so much because it was an amazing opportunity. And we moved to Florida. So when we got to Florida, I had a girlfriend that I had worked with in San Diego on that preschool assessment team. She actually was working for a private practice in Jacksonville Beach. And she said, hey, they're looking for a PRN therapist. Would you be available? Let me check my schedule. Sure. Let me give you a couple hours out of my time. And so I remember walking into the cutest little practice on the beach and looking around. Wow, this therapist did this. She created this for herself. And now she is hiring other SLPs to do this and work in this amazing setting. It was flexible. It was easy. And at that point, that's when I was like, you know what? This is going to be my next chapter. I have already tried all of the other settings. I worked for somebody else for so many years and worked very hard and gave it my all. 
but now it's time to give my all and invest in myself. So I Googled private practice and guess who came up? You. And so at that point, I was just cruising around in my car as a stay-at-home mom and uh, I only worked there for a semester. And then I would listen to your podcast every single day. So I think I have a check mark by every single one, but that like really lit the fire under me to make a list on my notes pad and everything that I had heard from all these experienced SLPs, just doing all the things was so motivating and so inspirational. And so I wrote it down. And one day, my one day when I'm ready to start my practice, I will start my practice. And in my mind, I wanted another baby. So my husband played two years for the Jag. He retired in 2019. We moved back to Dallas. We're going to build a house. They quoted us 18 months took three and a half years, no big deal. So now we're back in Dallas. And then we get pregnant again with my daughter. And two days after she was born, the pandemic happened. So that was an interesting time because I didn't really mind that people weren't coming over to see my newborn baby because nobody even tried or attempted. But then after that, I really started to get, I needed a hobby. I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom that didn't really stay at home. I wanted to go to those play places. I wanted to go out into the world. (laughs) because I had worked my entire life. So I had a phone call the March after that. So March of 2021 of a former coworker who said, Marsha, will you please come and evaluate my baby? I am concerned about his language skills. And I was like, here we go. (laughs) I can't say no anymore. Like now is the time after that whole year of the pandemic, I knew that something for my mental health had to change. I needed to fulfill my passion. I needed to get out of the house. I love being a mom. That is like, why I'm passionate about my parent coaching and the coaching that I do for my clients, but I had to do something for myself. And so that is when it all came. I'm, I listened to all your boot camps. I have ducks in a row. Like I was ready to go. And so that was it. I just picked up that one client and then started the Instagram page where I could just see what was going on. Because at that time, I didn't even know TPT existed. I didn't know boom cards were a thing. And I sure had no idea about teletherapy because I had taken years off. So I was just amazed by all these amazing women on social media, sharing their speech therapy materials, their practices. It was great. So I started that and then I didn't do my branding and logo development till June of that year. And then I did not launch my website until January of this year. Long story short, there's my journey. (laughs) Yeah, but I love that. I love that there was different twists and turns. I love that you said that you had worked in a whole bunch of settings, right? Listeners, like maybe you're the same, right? Maybe you've worked in a couple different settings or maybe you've always been in one. That's okay too, right? But it's like interesting how these things happen, right? Like you just think about again that private practice that you were in working with and like looking around and like light bulbs are going off about, wow, this is what I want. And I think that we can all say that we've had experiences of realizing either what we want or what we know that we do not want, right? in order to craft a future that serves us, allows us to serve others better than we're able to, serves our families, all that kind of other stuff. So keep going with the story. When you started doing some branding, what happened next? Okay, so I started my Pediatric Speech Charts Instagram page. And when I tell you that is such an outlet of people and networking and the opportunities that I have gotten from this Instagram page are amazing. So I started it. I got my second client from a DM of a parent. And then my third client was from a business card that I handed out to at a children's boutique when I was shopping with my children. And so at that point, I had three clients. And then I launched in January. And then the website really got people flowing my way. 
but also just from social media. Then I tore my ACL skiing in February. And so one thing about being a business owner is you learn to pivot. So luckily, those clients that I had started to accumulate were able to come to my house in the time that I was not able to physically drive or walk. But again, being a business owner, you have that flexibility. And it was great. And everybody was so understanding. So I don't advise anybody go skiing and hurt yourself as a mom of two. And so after that, things started to take off as far as picking up my caseload. So I knew from the jump that I wanted to have two days to dedicate to my job. So I worked two days a week and I set very strict hours. So for all of the clients that either were coming to me, I either could place them with myself or I would establish a network of other private practitioners in my area that I could refer them out to. So my goal for every client that ever came to me was I'm going to help you. I might not be that person that is going to be the one, but I'm going to steer you in the right direction because I know your child needs help. And especially after the pandemic, I see a lot of kids that are needing additional services. So that happened. And then one Instagram message turned into a opportunity that and Bicky is a startup EMR company. They actually have a teletherapy platform right now, but they asked me to do a paid position as a clinical advisor on their clinical advisory board. And I had to Google what an advisory board was because again, as a speech therapist, I thought I was just a speech therapist. I did not know that I could get paid to be doing something else. And I really think with that is when other opportunities on social media started for me wow, I can get paid to do something other than treat a child or evaluate a child. This is great. What other tools do I have in my toolkit that I can help? I had a parent coaching client. And so her two-year-old was not speaking at the time, but she was not happy with her current ST because they were whisking the kid back away in the clinic and she wasn't a part of that. And I'm a very strong proponent now that I'm a parent is how powerful parents are in the treatment program, especially for late talkers. So I coached her over Zoom for 30 minutes a week for six months. And so he is thriving and on his way. But that was like my first parent coaching call. So I've had more of those. And then SLP coaching calls started. And I had a younger therapist. She has her private practice, but she needed more mentoring and her clinical skills to coach parents. And as a parent and as a modern parent, I was able to help her help these parents and these kids like a customized coaching program. And I've had a couple more interested in my DMs. And so that has also just started. And it's something that I feel very good about and fulfilled and excited. And then now I am, I decided to join your grow program in May. January to May. (laughs) You've been growing too. Tell some people. So at the time of this recording, it's September. So what are some things that you've achieved over the last couple of months or since May? Okay, so I am in network with insurance. I tell you, when you are fearful of something, like I was very fearful of insurance, and I'll be the first one to admit, I don't know why. I don't, it's because it was the unknown and I was fearful of it. And I was like, I'm so scared of insurance. I'm not going to do this. I don't need to do this. I'm going to be private pay. And then I signed up for a court and I'm like, I, of course, I can do this. (laughs) Like I have the tools now in my toolbox. I can do this. I can, I know it's hard with inflation and everything. Like I wanted to, just from another mother to another mother. If you can accept my insurance, I would appreciate that, right? And so I was very determined to learn. And I can tell you, I have claims, they've been submitted. And I've also invested in a billing and coding SLP course because I want to be competent. And anything that I do, I want to be competent. So yes, I have 
increase my rates. I have accepted insurance. I have a preschool screening scheduled to screen 69 preschoolers, whether or not their parents return their permission form. I have done that. I have established pediatrician referrals. And I was actually offered a space in the pediatrician's office. However, I had just moved to our new house and it was just too far of a commute. So I had to change the zip code areas that I was servicing. That was just like a great opportunity. And then I hired my first virtual assistant. I hired her for six weeks because I was in the stage of overwhelm with building a house, being a mom, being a wife, and my family and my husband are the top priority. So my business will never take priority over them. So if I can't build a business where I can be with my family and travel with my husband, then I don't want a part of that business. So that's why I love being in the driver's seat of my own business. It is so empowering. It is so amazing. I actually just hired another therapist to come on a PRN as a feeding therapist because I do not do feeding. I was forced to do feeding when I was an employee. But guess what? I am now the boss, so I'm no longer doing feeding therapy. I love that. And I love how you really touched on this idea of hiring out for things that are not your zone of genius, right? There are certain things that all of us are good at and certain things that, you know, that we're not. And so if you have clinical interests, if you see a need for feeding therapy in your area, right, but you're not the one perhaps to provide that, like you can still offer it through your private practice and not be the one who's actually delivering those services, right? Listeners, think about that, right? Like, or billing. Yes, billing has Mm -hmm. to be done, but you don't Mm -hmm. have to be the one to do it right? That opens up a lot of opportunity and possibility for people when they start thinking that way. Yes, exactly. And I just literally will be the first to hire a biller once I learn how to do it myself. I love that. Now that you're a business owner, what would you say has changed in terms of like your boundaries, for example, and like how have you structured your day in your life just on the day to day? I think it's very important, even as women or speech pathologists, to be able to say no. And when you can say no and you don't feel bad about saying no, because you shouldn't feel bad for saying no. If I have a 3 p.m. cutoff on my practice and someone calls for a 305, I'm sorry that I can't help you, but I can find somebody that can. Because I have very set boundaries that what is important to me is my son getting off that bus and I am there to get him off that bus. Because I will not be forever in this chapter. Just like in my 20s when I wasn't forever in that chapter of working 12 hours days and seeing 70 kids and seeing every single diagnosis under the sun. That was that chapter. But today in my chapter that I'm living in, it's not going to take forever. My kids one day will be grown up. As sad as that is to say out loud, but they will grow up. And I want to build a business that is going to work for me, that is going to fulfill me, and hopefully transition one day to work from anywhere is the end goal. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Because you're right. Like That's what people want to be able to do, or people with kids, right? I love dropping my kids off at school. I love picking them up. I love being able to do that. And that's just not something that you can do if you are in another setting where the hours just don't work for that. So being able to have that flexibility and put constraints on when you're available and listeners, when you first start your private practice, when you are brand new at this and you're seeing your very first clients, you do tend to run around with a chicken, like with your head cut off a little bit, right? Like you'll see people at any time just to get them in and that's totally fine and totally normal. I did that. Lots of people did that. But over time, like when you really start to grow your practice, you'll start to realize that you can't operate that way long term and continue to grow and continue to be successful because 
that kind of behavior on your part will burn you out, right? And so boundaries yeah. really important to be setting and up. Zip, it, route. And zip codes are big too, like getting the zip code from the client. Like even before you start getting all this intake, what is your zip code? Because if I am doing mobile, so I'm doing home health. If they are further than you want to be driving because you're so upset that you were driving all around A to Z at the last job, make sure that you sit there and look at a map of where you're willing to go. There will be people that come. I get referrals now, a steady stream of referrals, but not everyone is going to be your client. So some advice for the future private practitioners listening, just don't chase these clients, okay? If they cannot respond to your email, are they going to respond to a text when you show up to the, your house and they're going to cancel on you? It's just thinking about the what t- your ideal client is someone is that is responsive, is going to follow up with you, and is going to take you seriously. And if those traits of that parent is not there, then don't chase them. Like you're not, your job is not to chase clients. They will come to you. And if it is your ideal client, they will hire you. And it's really important to get clear on that from the beginning, right? Again, in, in the very beginning, you're probably going to see anyone that you are comfortable and competent to be treating, right? But at some yes. point, as you get you know, a couple months into this or as things start to take off, right? All of a sudden you're going to get referrals from clients that you're like, yeah, that's not my thing with the feeding kits, right? And so you really have to start to say, who are my ideal clients and how can I attract more of them? So talk a little bit more about how you're doing that. Okay. So I did branding. I did invest in my branding. So I invested in a logo and design, logo design and branding. So what that was, she designed the logo. I had choices. I had to write who I was targeting, how I wanted you to feel when you saw my logo. I wanted to be fun. I want to be welcoming, but I wanted to just be clean and target the modern mom or now the modern SLP at this point. And so I did branding photos and that was big because it was an investment and it was hard for me to be an employee and understand that expenses first, the difference between an investment. And so really when I shifted over my mindset that all of this money that I was spending were investments, it made it a little bit easier to spend. So I did invest in my branding photo shoot. And I promise you that is the number one thing people comment about on my Instagram page. And so I'm very proud of that. But I really strategically branded for who my ideal client was. And that's the modern mom in the birth of five population. If you have a late talker, if you're suspected autism, if you have a preschool that has speech sound disorders, I'm your girl. And so that is who I wanted to target. And so far, so good, because usually the people that are coming to me know exactly what I'm offering. And then that's where a better fit. So it's not, I didn't want like a vague generalist practice from the start. So I knew from the beginning who I was targeting, because those are the clients that fill up my cup. Those are the clients that if I have to leave my own children that are going to fulfill my passion and make me feel good that I'm helping. A thousand percent. And there's a couple ways to do this, right? As you're talking, I'm thinking about so many websites, including when I first started my practice, my website, right? I listed like a million diagnoses or disorders, right? It was just, I made sure that I had like these, now they were terribly cheesy, but like stock photos of lots of different kinds of people, right? Because I was really trying to be a catch-all, like from, I could help you, I can help you, whatever. I was trying to help everybody, right? But same with you over time. It's like, no, I don't actually want to help everyone. I want to help the people who, you know, light me up and allow me to do my best work and who are going to be really good clients and show up to sessions and pay on time and all those kind of other things. So you really have to think about 
Who do you want to attract? And I love how you describe that of, no, these are my people. And they know that they want to go to somebody who specializes in the thing that they need versus the person like my first website that had everything on it, right? Yeah. And you get who you're getting. So like right now, because I have not expanded and I don't know where I'm at yet with my growth. And so right now, you know who you're getting. And so the other thing is with, that piggybacks on the the Google reviews from all my ideal clients. So I say I have 20 Google reviews and I started in January. Why I don't try to sign up for a Google business account on a PO box because it'll suspend your account. Lesson learned. Once you establish that Google business, I ask for reviews. And because I have so many in such a short amount of time, it's because I branded to my ideal client. I receive my ideal client. I am giving you the therapy at the utmost level that I have in me. And then everybody's happy. <laughs> and so if I were to go try to feed a kid, you know what? They probably would give me like a three star because I am not confident in that. I don't want to do it again. As a picky eater myself, it was actually, it was just emotionally too much. Like it was stressful for me. And so I knew it'd be stressful to a kid. I love that. And I think that you know, it's all about knowing yourself, right? That whole know thyself, know what works for you and what's going to allow you to do this. Because one of the things that I see happen is that people accidentally, this isn't on purpose, but they recreate, they start their private practices and they recreate environments for them that didn't serve them in their previous job. And all of a sudden they actually have full control over their professional life, their personal life, their financial life, and they're making some of the same mistakes that were before, yes. right? It's hard to break out of that employee mindset and start to shift into more of an entrepreneur business mindset. But I'm telling y'all, listeners, once you do, the whole world opens up and you start to think differently. Yes. If you don't want to stay after school, kids, okay, pivot. Try to go into a charter school. Try to go into a private school. Try to go into preschools. Try to go into daycares. Try homeschoolers. There's so many other different ways to see those kids during the day that you have the control if you make your own practice. Or here's another option like that, right? Get licensed in a state that like has a different time zone than you, right? Like we have yeah. so many people, especially in the Start Your Private Practice program, who let's say they live on the East Coast, but they have like a California license or other West Coast. And that allows them to see people at like totally different time zones that work for them, right? So that's another way just to think about things differently and set stuff up for you, right? Because if you have kids, maybe you don't want to do the after school hours. That's okay. Because guess what? There are other clinicians out there who are looking for after school <laughs> hours for their yeah. own supplement yeah. income. And I was that SLP for the first 10 years of my career. I had a PRN job every single time. And it's funny that you say about the out of state, I actually got licensed in the state of Rhode Island because a mom DM'd me on Instagram and they were on wait list for her four-year-old. And I was like, guess what? I will get licensed for you. And it was an easy process. And I did. And I saw her right at that 2.30 mark. Oh. See, I love that. So that's the thing that I want everyone to be thinking about is how can you create something that works really well for you, works well for your family, and also can shift in different seasons of your life, right? Marcia's already talked about that, that right now, like this is a season where her kids are of a certain age and she's doing things for her family that way. But like your business may shift, let's say five years later, right? It's probably going to look different than it does right now. And that's really easy to do when you are the boss and you're in the driver's seat and making your own decisions. And you don't have to 
your job to then do it and hope that they're okay with the hours that you want, right? Yes. Like you're setting your own hours. Yes. Or like to just seasons of life. And so for the moms that are just having the babies, but they still want some PRN, that's who I just hired. She just wants a couple visits a week. And so basically I'm helping be her vessel in this chapter of her life because she does not want to be a business owner and not everyone has to be a business owner and that's okay. It came naturally. I have always been in my own driver's seat. And so I, I've always been able to have work-life boundaries. I've been able to say no. And I separate not bringing work home all in my past 20s, or I just would have had no life. But I have had a wonderful life. And I lived all over the country. And I am just so grateful for our career. Like I'm so grateful for speech pathology because there are just so many different things that you can do. And now even post pandemic, one of these, the greatest things are all these courses that have been made virtually that you can do in your car. Like I do my grow your private practice while I'm in between clients because I can hear the audio and I don't need to sit in front of a computer and write my notes. So I'm so also grateful for your program and everything that you've given for free up until this point. I just really, I hope everybody else is taking full advantage of it because you are a huge component of why I'm sitting in this seat today. Thank you. And it's so rewarding to me to be able to really fill a gap. That's what private practitioners are doing, right? They're filling a gap. They know that there's people in their area who are on wait lists or not receiving services, right? And they want to fill that gap. I'm filling a different gap, which is basically business education for clinical professionals, right? But just like you've invested in your clinical skills, you wouldn't just wing it, right? With a new client that you had never worked with that diagnosis or disorder, right? So don't wing your business. There's laws, there's money, there's all kinds of, you want this process to be more simple and you don't have a business background, you didn't learn anything in grad school. Let me fill that gap in your business knowledge in a way that I only talk about stuff that's related to private practices, right? Like I'm not going to talk about stuff they do in MBA programs, supply chain management, or like macroeconomics. <laughs> yeah. None of that in my program. Just, hey, how do you raise your rates? How do you build you, like your ideal base? How do you position your private practice? That's what I like to talk about because I get to meet people like Marsha who like have this dream and I get to help make it come true. And that feels really good, to be honest with you. And it's awesome because you literally gave me all the tools in my toolbox. So yes, right now, do I not want to have a brick and mortar? No, that is not a goal of mine right now. But would I be ready for it? Would I be able to hire good clinicians that are a good fit for my company? Yes, because you have provided me the tools in my toolbox. Thank you. I'm just going to keep providing <laughs> tools for the private yes. practice. Do that. So I'm I'm not going anywhere, and I hope you're not either. Yeah. What final advice would you have to people who are either thinking about either starting a private practice or growing a private practice? You have to get over your fear. And so I was fearful of insurance, right? And then I was also fearful when I first started. What if I fail? What if nobody calls me? Like my fear of failure is pretty up there with my type A minus-ish type personality because I am going to do something. I want to be the best at it. And I sure as heck don't want to fail. Once you overcome that fear and get out of analysis paralysis, I also just thought that was a buzzword until I was in it. And I was like, why do I feel like this? Like, why am I stuck? Like, why just do it? And that I just did it. <laughs> and then the same thing, I had torn my ACL. And I remember that the physical therapist told me to jump. And I was like, I can't jump. And she was like, yes, you physically can. You have to tell your mind that you can. 
And when she told me that, I looked at her like she was crazy. And then I literally jumped two feet off the ground, able to do it. But because my brain told me I could not, I felt like my legs were like bricks. And so it's the same thing. If you are fearful of it, it will be okay. You just have to overcome that fear and have confidence in yourself. And if you have made it through your master's degree and you have made a, a difference in these lives of these children, like you got this. You just have to get the right tools in your toolbox to be a successful business owner. And again, that comes with investment. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your journey. And I'm sure that listeners are going to want to connect with you online. So can you please share your Instagram information and your website and anything else? Sure. So on Instagram, it's Pediatric Speech Stars. And then my website's www.pediatricspeechstars.com. And I'll be at ASHA. So hopefully I can meet all the lovely SLPs in the world because I love ASHA. (laughs) I love networking at any conference. So I'm excited that it's all back in person. And listeners, I'm going to be at ASHA too. And we'll get to meet in real life, which is always very exciting when I get to meet my students in real life. That's like the best. And COVID has totally messed that up. But I'm very excited to get back into real person events and that, that kind of thing. So anyway, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your journey. And maybe six months or a year from now, we'll have you back and you'll tell us what, oh, what you're going to do then. I would love that because now that I'm the driver in my own driver's seat, the sky is the limit. So you just never know. <laughs> you keep on driving. Thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much, Jenna. You're so welcome. Don't you just love Marsha? I love how passionate she is about building a private practice that allows her to serve others while serving her family too. She is a perfect example of someone who has built their private practice with boundaries in mind. Like me, Marsha believes in balance over burnout, and she has mechanisms in place to protect herself as her practice grows. If you would like to learn more about the Grow Your Private Practice program and how we support growth level private practitioners in terms of getting more ideal clients, expanding your income, setting up systems, and hiring a team, please visit growyourprivatepractice.com to learn more. As always, thank you for listening and please tune in next week for another episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. See you then. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.